UN Today and Here's London present Health Today, a series of interviews with health experts based in Switzerland who share their personal stories, their professional experience, and how they envision their work in the future. Today we talk to Silvia Bonfanti, specialist in sports medicine and rehabilitation at Clinique La Colline in Here's London. Silvia, you have been my doctor some years ago. What a coincidence. You, you fixed my knee. And today it's my turn to interview you. I'm delighted that the, the audience can, can get to know your personal and professional experience. Um, I propose you to, to start light with a typical job interview question. So what could you tell us about yourself? My name is Silvia Bonfanti. Um, I'm, I'm Italian. I come from a little village uh, in nor from northern Italy near a lake looks a bit like Geneva. Mm -hmm. uh, I always loved sports. I've always done a little bit of everything in my life. Dance, swimming, tennis, skiing, everything. Like hyperactive child, very happy to do sports. In Italy we have a big system to control athletes that are not a high level athlete, whatever athlete. So there I, I met my first sports medicine doctor that I liked and I thought, oh, that's a cool job. Uh -huh. I went to um, an international school where I learned many languages. Uh, and then I always liked um, biology, chemistry. So I decided to do research in um, genetics or bio something. Until my dad told me, Sylvia, you like people a lot. I don't see you in, a, in, a, in an office with technical and alone. Uh -huh. And so uh, I thought, oh, that's true. So maybe I'll do, I'll do medicine. And then my idea of the sports medicine popped up again. So, so then I studied medicine in, in Pavia, which is a beautiful uh, university city in Italy. And then I got, uh, I needed a change uh, from uh, the system in Italy. And I felt like I needed to see the world a bit more. And I somehow randomly came here because I, I had a friend who came here so I thought I'll come for a year and see and then I'm stuck here since 15 years <laughs> that's why. What exactly is your responsibility at work? That's a very good question because very often people don't know what a sports doctor do. Okay. Um, let's say we, we take care mainly of active people and the spectrum of active can be from somebody who's 75 and likes to walk twice a week to a professional level athlete. We take care mainly of two big branches. Uh -huh. One is the traumatological part, so accidents. You go skiing, you have a knee, um, sprain, to the um, overload pathologies. Um, where overload pathologies can be the person who was active, then during pandemics they stop all their normal activity and so they just started to run and all of a sudden they run three times a week and then they started to have knee pain or foot pain. We are specialized in conservative treatment so we don't operate but um, we, we have the knowledge of knowing when to refer to a surgeon because it is a surgical treatment that is needed. 
Many thanks. Another question. Based on the on the responsibilities that you have, how would you foresee this job in the future? 20, 30 years ago, um, patients were not questioning a doctor. I see. Whereas now, um, they question what we say because um, they have read on the internet about it and they want to be sure that they have understood well. Um, and this is also raising awareness in us that we were probably not explaining well, not explaining enough, not making sure that the patient had understood what he had. To give you an example, um, uh, a lumbar MRI um, is a big problem because there is no clear link of what we see on the MRI and what the patient feels. I understand. Um, they have done very big studies with a lot of patients, okay. completely asymptomatic patients, uh -huh. uh, and done MRIs every 10 years and saw a discal protrusion and hernia arthrosis happening, the patient still being asymptomatic. So when today the patient comes and tells you, I have an hernia, that's why I have back pain, we have to turn the story around because that is not the truth. Clearly there is a point of the patient awareness of what he has or our communication towards them and we don't have a training for that. I see. So that could be something that somebody <laughs> would help us train to give this information. People read a lot because they have access to information but sometimes they don't have the capacity to um, understand what is important and what is not important. You know, sometimes people come and say, uh, I have a, a grade three chondropathy. Um, and we know that the cartilage is not innervated, so it cannot give pain. So the patient has just spent two months panicking, thinking he will have um, a knee replacement, when in fact, that's probably not the problem. Um, and as soon as, uh, as long as technology evolves, um, I still see that there is an important need for us to see the patient and to touch the patient because the diagnosis comes from the exam and not only from the MRI or the CT. So this is a problem that will come, a lot of knowledge, difficult to handle, and find a way to help the patient to understand well what he has us to explain and so that we find the right solution. Thank you. Another one, talking about the patients, uh, what is the range of age that you usually treat? Um, we take care of adolescents, um, sometimes uh, kids, um, I would say probably until 10, 12 years old they are really taken care of by the pediatrician and then afterwards as soon as they start uh, puberty they, they usually come to us. To, um, a hundred years old um, until they are 
active and want to be active still, we'll, we'll take care of them without any problem, yes. When you are making reference to we, uh, I guess that you are referring to a team. Yes. How would you, how would you describe that, that team? Um, here in, in where I work now, here in East London, Centre de Médecine du Sport de l'Exercice, we are, we are six doctors. Um, two surgeons and four sports medicine doctors. Then there's about um, 10 to 12 physiotherapists and a physical um, trainer. Um, and then we also uh, collaborate a lot with uh, all the surgeons uh, in the clinic. So we have our hip specialist, our shoulder specialist, our foot specialist, uh, etc. Then we have some, let's say, a next therapies uh, that are not maybe here um, but with which we also collaborate a lot maybe a sport psychologist or a sport nutritionist or an osteopath uh, where we refer because they're not in in here mainly but so we're 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 a good we're a good team you're making reference to a foot specialist or a knee specialist do you think that in the future there would be um I'm going to say whatever, but a, a right foot specialist and a, a left knee specialist, or this would be way too much? Uh, probably not finger of the foot, uh, but uh, it clearly uh, the, the orthopedic surgeon that does everything is disappearing. Uh, he's not um, specialized enough anymore in one joint and that's why this, these persons are disappearing so all the orthopedic surgeons are becoming monoarticular let's say or mono limb or so the foot specialist the knee specialist the shoulder the back um, they will they will become more and more specialized I don't think um, <laughs> there will be an extra specialization to right or left or only one, one finger, but uh, clearly it's uh, inevitable. Thank you. Another one. When you are treating a patient who is dealing with a sports problem and because of some problem they cannot, they cannot continue with their activity, you, you are providing the technical support, but there is something called hope that goes parallel to the treatment and for every person, especially in, in high performance, it is key. How do you approach this part of the treatment? Um, so for me, what is important is that the patient feels that we are an ally. Uh, we are allied to him to help him go back to sports. Our main uh, role is not to stop him, but to make him go back to sports. So. Um, whenever I see a hockey player, the second question is, when do I play again? Uh, so our role is to um, explain to them the importance of a partial stop, uh, to explain to them how long this stop needs to be and why they need to be stopped, and how this part will bring them back to where they want to be. Um, and this is very important because they need to know that in two months, six months, they will go back there. And that is their hope. 
So we have to guide them through this process, explaining to them uh, what they are allowed to do now, what they will be allowed to do in four months or in seven months. If we take, for example, the um, the cross ligament reconstruction, we will tell them that, voila, the first uh, month uh, it's not a lot, crutches and a little bit of physio, then they will start to maybe cycle a bit and then add some exercise and then from that they will add three months if everything goes well they can start running and then afterwards they can start to change directions and then they can start to jump and then at the end we do a test to make sure that they have evolved well enough to then go back to their sport. Um, we have to deal with their frustration um, but I feel that when, when we explain this well to them, it's much easier for them to understand and then to, um, to follow the therapies without dropping or doing things that they should not do. Um, and um, yeah, that's it. Doing this, this interview in the month of International Women's Day, what could you tell me about your experience working with, with women let's say, as colleagues, as assistants, as patients, etc.? Um, this is a very good question. Thank you for asking. The, um, uh, me, women are not small men, somebody said one day. Uh, and it is something that has not been considered in medicine and is still not considered in medicine. Um, so, All the treatments that we provide or we suggest uh, are based on studies that are usually done on men. Um, and, uh, and then we transpose the knowledge on women. So what is happening now in, in the world of sports medicine, at least a lot, is that we are trying to differentiate men and women Uh, they have a different metabolism, they have a menstrual cycle, they are maybe a mother, and uh, all of these hormonal differences um, create a different way to train, to treat, uh, and to follow up. Um, so we are trying to adapt. Uh, with, there is still a long way to go in science to provide the same data we have on men that on women, but we're trying to adapt. At least there is an awareness that, hey, it's not the same um, uh, if you treat a woman or a man. Uh, and then women have uh, different problems uh, that we have to address linked to their menstrual cycle, to the absence of their menstrual cycle that was considered normal in certain sports for many years, and no, it is not, uh, to the fact that uh, there is some um, difficulties in going back to sports after a pregnancy. Uh, the whole rehabilitation of that part um, is developing a lot also. And also in uh, the risk factors uh, that we have considered for certain Uh, pathologies we're seeing that uh, are, are changing if you're a man or a woman. To give you an example, for the again, I go back to the cross ligament injury. 
uh, it seems to be that they're more frequent on a certain phase of the menstrual cycle. And this was something that was not at all taken in account before. So we try to personalize as we do for every patient, but to be much more attentive on the fact that women are, uh, are not small men <laughs> and we have to uh, take that in account. Um, working as with colleagues, um, um, it, is a, it is a world that is also changing medicine. Medicine was a male world until the last generation. It's becoming much more female, um, which is good. Um, of course, there is still some um, um, gender difference uh, treatment, like in every field. Uh, but uh, things are changing also, so we we take we hope that uh, there will be much more equity soon. So if, you, if we really um, see from the musculoskeletal point of view, um, there is an overload of the joints of the thumb um, that can um, degenerate easier and faster. Um, there are some people that have a mild osteoarthritis because they are 55 and they never had a problem. And then with all these phone activities, they completely decompensate the the osteoarthritis so clearly there's an overload um, in the hand um, joints especially the thumb and the tendons of the thumb that can get overloaded much more the posture uh, yes <laughs> we're going to that uh, kyphotic cephotic i don't know how you say kyphotic posture uh, with uh, also uh, the neck that goes uh, too much in a forward flexion. Um, all of this is uh, creating uh, pain uh, in the neck and uh, stiffness in the joints because they are stuck in the same position for too long. Um, so what is important is that um, people they have to be aware of what they're doing, accept that they do too much, accept to do pauses from it and maybe try to do some exercises to re redress their, uh, their back um, and maybe use more the dictation mode instead of typing. And, and then there's also a huge um, uh, psychological impact of the phone, especially on um, on um, puberty kids um, and that is a big problem but uh, that we will have to address linked to all the social media and, and all of that so there's also the big psychological um, uh, 
aspects and impact there. You are dealing you are dealing all the time with um, all kinds of rehabilitation problems in in patients. If you if you had to choose one solution that you would like to see in the future to prevent a, a kind of common pattern that you are seeing in the people you treat, what that solution would be? Um, so, in a general population point of view, um, the solution of a lot of problems is physical activity. And that is not something that is um, um, understood well by the general population. Um, sedentarity is a big, um, gigantic problem in society, and that gives um, all sorts of cardiovascular disease uh, to musculoskeletal disease and mortality. So for me, um, a perfect world would be a world where everybody will manage to do physical activity, guided physical activity. Um, and for this in the society uh, today, there is not um, a lot of space for prevention. Uh, and prevention would be to um, help people be more active without um, creating a pathology or something. So for me that is um, uh, something that we really try to work on um, as a global um, sports medicine job. We also have that uh, casket, that role to help people move uh, and move in the right way. And that is um, something that, um, again, people are not enough aware of. People are aware that you shouldn't smoke, that uh, you should uh, take uh, your anti-hypertensive drug. Uh, but in all of this, the physical activity part is actually much more important. So that would, for me would be the best one to bring on. So, thank you very much for giving all this time to our audience. This was a, a new episode of Health Today, the health interview series organized by UN Today and Hirsland. Until next time.